hello, and welcome to the show. It's me, JP. It's time for another episode of John Park's Workshop, right here in this workshop with me, John Park. And hello, hello everyone over in YouTube. Hey, Johnny Bergdahl and Doc McGillicuddy, Tyeth Gundry, David Dessa, thanks for stopping by. Uh, I'm checking out the chat over there in, boy, these are dirty, over in YouTube, but you can also check out our Discord if you're somewhere that doesn't have a chat where we're hanging out, such as Twitch. Uh, looking at you, Twitch, then head over to Discord. The Adafruit Discord is this right here. Uh, you go to adafruit.it slash Discord, and you'll get an instant invite. You can join our server, and then head over to the live broadcast chat channel. That's the one that you're looking at right there. There's also a bunch of other channels where you can get help with projects, discuss things, show pictures of your pets, and so on and so forth. But uh, the live broadcast chat, ooh, that's much better. Channel is uh, is where we are right now. Uh, so, let me move that. There we go. Shift that camera a little bit. Uh, I finished my fight with Lars, Todd. Where'd he go? It's just right, right here. That's spooky. Uh, but hey, C. Grover, Starman, Lawrence, Andy Calloway, Todd Bott. Welcome. Thanks for stopping by over in our chat. Uh, Rich Sad stopped by to say that he had to go to an office meeting or something like that. Some work thing. Uh, so maybe we'll see him later. Hey, Johnny Bergdahl. Uh, so what else is happening here? I will mention jobs.adafruit.com. That's a great place to go and have a look at some potential jobs. Could be contract positions, could be full-time stuff, part-time stuff, freelance. Uh, we also have this page right here, which is the available for hire. And if you can go there, you can check out, people have posted their resumes. If they're looking for work, you can go and find out about what they know, what they're looking to do, uh, where they're at. And uh, you can post your info as well for free. Uh, there's no cost to using our job board. So it's a good place to look for work. Uh, let's see, what else is going on? Get a sip of water here. Doc McGillicuddy over in the YouTube asks, how much I can't get a Pi 4 for less than $150? Uh, yeah, it's, it's the, uh, the reselling is terrible, but we are doing our best to uh, release them and avoid having scalpers buy them uh, by enforcing various things such as two-factor authentication and not uh, allowing multiple purchases from the same address or very slightly shifted addresses and, and a bunch of other stuff we have going on. So if you do get one from Adafruit, know that you're getting it for the same price as always. Uh, and also check out, there's a learn guide I posted about that uh, Pi Alert alarm that you can build. You don't need a, a Pi to build it. You can use a TFT Featherwing ESP32 S2 and find out based on the rpilocator.com Twitter feed when Something comes in stock at Adafruit, or you can alter the code and, and check somewhere else, uh, depending on where you are. All right, what else is happening? Uh, the show I do on Tuesdays, hi, SNK Brown Productions. Nice to see you popping up. Hey, 2231, popping up over there in our YouTube. The show right there that I have on Tuesdays, that's it. JP's product pick of the week. Uh, it looked like that this week because that's the product. It was the Cutie Pie ESP32 S2. And uh, what we do is a little show where I talk about the product pick, do some demos, get it half price, uh, throw them in your cart. You don't need a coupon code, just buy a bunch of them, up to 10. 
And uh, now I'd like to do a little recap of the show. The show's about 15, 20 minutes long, but here's a little quick one minute recap. Check it out. It is the Cutie Pie ESP32-S2. It's a Wi-Fi dev board. It has 13 GPIO pins on it. It has native USB. It's a 240 megahertz single core Tensilica processor. It has 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi on there. And something I wanted to demo today is using this with Whippersnapper. So what I have is my Cutie Pie and I've plugged into it a couple of different uh, outboard sensor boards. You don't even need to code it in a traditional sense. What you can do is go here to this page. I can click on new component and these are the components that have been uh, already created as a sort of almost a plug and play or drag and drop. So we can pick any of these sensors here. And now you've Adafruit IO whippersnappered your Cutie Pie to give you all the info you need. So now my temperature is at 28 centigrade and 124. It is the ESP32 S2 Cutie Pie Wi-Fi dev board with Stemma QT built in. Yeah, it is. Uh, so let us know in the chats what you're using your Cutie Pie ESP32 S2 for. Uh, some people had them already. I know a bunch of people bought them, uh, ordered them during that. So let us know what kind of projects you're up to with them. Uh, I saw a cool. I might do a. I might do a little uh, tip of the week type of thing with this coming up. But it was a uh, show and tell that Toddbot did on our show and tell show last night. Uh, showing how you can use some of the little displays on a Cutie Pie because you can reassign all the pins pretty much however you want. So some of the little I2C um, OLED screens have a particular pin out. You plug them in. It doesn't actually match what's supposed to be there, but you can reassign pins all over the place on that board and make it work. So that was, that was kind of a cool one. Uh, just one use for those Cutie Pies. All right, next up, let's do a CircuitPython Parsec. All right, let's do it. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, I wanted to show how you could make a cool little randomized bicolor LED matrix using CircuitPython and just a little bit of code. So if you have a look here, I've got a Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. And I have our little gizmo, little uh, proto gizmo there. And I've attached this I squared C backpack for a bicolor matrix. So these are pairs of little or actually single bicolor uh, LEDs under each square. So it can do red and green or you can actually combine them and get yellow as well. I'm just doing red and green here or off. And it just gives us this kind of nice little sci-fi uh, readout type of look the computer is thinking. That's, that's probably what's going on there. So if we look at the code here, what I'm doing is I'm importing some libraries including time, board, so I get pin definitions, random, and from random I'm getting the random integer or rand int, and then the library for this actual display which is the HT16K33 backpack. I bring in the matrix 8x8x2, that's the bicolor, and then I set up that display on I squared C as the matrix. I'm setting its brightness at 0.1. And then I'm defining a little list here of colors. And you'll see here I've got LED red, LED green, and LED off, which I've actually placed in there twice just to sort of adjust the odds, uh, little, little increased odds that I won't have uh, an LED lit. Then I'm filling it with off at the beginning just to clear things out. I think it does that automatically, but I added that in there. And here's what's going on in the main loop. 
we set a variable called x, which is a random integer from 0 to 7. So that's going to be one of the horizontal uh, positions. We set an integer uh, for, or rather, we set a variable called y for a random integer 0 through 7. So that's going to be the vertical position. And then we're setting a color variable, which is based on grabbing one of those items in my list, either red, green, off, or the other off. Then we set the matrix. This is how we light up. We say matrix XY, so some position that was selected, equals whatever this color is. And then we sleep for a tiny little bit of time and repeat that. And so we get all these really nice blinky random types of lights going on in here. And so that is how you can set some random lights on the bicolor LED matrix inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. All right, uh, so let's see, what's next? I'm gonna turn on the air in here because it just got a bit stuffy in here and, uh, whoa, that's not it, wrong button. Hold on, try that again. I'm gonna get a bunch of light in there, but not, not any cooler air, it's still hot around here. There we go, better button. Uh, so, let's see, uh, by the way, I'll, I'll look into this later and let me know if anyone in the chat has run across this. I was, in fact, let's show this. This is kind of a fun thing to, to take a look at. Let me go to this view. Um, if we go back to our little bicolor matrix here, let's just uh, comment this section out. And watch what happens if I tell it to be a fill of red. So all it's gonna do is start the board up uh, import the libraries, refresh things, and then, hey, what the heck? It sets everything to green. And if I try green, it sets everything to red. Uh, this seems to only happen with the fill command. If you use the um, matrix, and let's set one of these positions on here. Oops. How about uh, 4, 4 equals LED green. Oh, I got to say matrix LED green. Sorry about that. And save there. So setting individual colors, it's correct, but I think something maybe in the library got uh, swapped around so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't actually obey your, your fill command. It, it grabs the opposite color. So I will go uh, dig a little deeper into that, make sure I'm using the latest versions of everything, and, uh, and I'll, I'll make a little uh, bug report there and get that fixed. Uh, but it's funny, I've never run into that because I don't think I've used that fill command, or if I have, I've used it for yellow, which is a combination of both the red and the green being turned on, and you can't tell. It works and you can't tell. So, uh, funny that, huh? So... All right, unplug that. Let me know if anyone's ever run into that before. I don't know what uh, if that's just unique to this 8x8 matrix. We have a lot of different driver uh, or a lot of LED packages that we drive off of those matrix driver boards. So I'm curious if, if anyone's seen that sort of thing before. Uh, all right, so 
Let's see, next up, let me pause a thing over here. Uh, we've got a really cool project that I wanted to, to start working on and, and show you here today. So this was based on a project I found online and I blogged about it the other day. Uh, let, me, let me pull up the, one second, uh, the GitHub page for this. Go to my browser. And how about that view there? I'll, I'll scoot over to the side. Uh, so this is a use of the Neo Trellis, the 8x8 Neo Trellis, as a trigger sequencer, an interface for a piece of software that uses MIDI on the computer. So it's going to use USB MIDI to send commands about when to trigger essentially a drum sound or the, the, uh, the gate or the trigger impulse of a drum on multiple different instruments or channels as this is called. And it allows you to use multiple different patterns. So it's a really cool, uh, as you can see here, a 64 step sequencer and you can modify. I'll, I'll show a version that I'm working on that has um, some little 16 step, three little 16 step uh, drums available as well as some other controls. Um, and so this is similar so, to some other things that we've done before with the Neotrellis, uh, either the 8x8 one or the Neotrellis uh, little M4 version that's self-contained. But what's different here is the code that uh, this is, I think, Patchwork Boy. The code that Patchwork Boy wrote for this in Arduino um, works really well with the bi-directional um, MIDI messages that can be used to keep your device in sync with your software. Uh, and so the reason this is important is that you can have, if you look at this uh, image right here, you can see there is a little gizmo on screen here in this virtual modular synthesizer software that you've seen me show before called VCV Rack. There is one gizmo in there that is a 64-step sequencer, and it has an interface that you can click on inside of the software. It also lights up uh, each step as it's playing, so you sort of know where things are. And often when you're doing these sorts of things with a sort of DIY MIDI solution, you don't end up with feedback going in both directions. Um, so. I'll show you what I'm talking about here, and then we'll, we'll take a look at how it's done. So I'm going to bring up a couple of windows here. And let me do a little bit of camera management. So I will ultimately probably do a little guide that focuses on just this 8x8 eight eight, uh, grid here. But I'll demo it using the really cool uh, dual approach that Patchwork Boy created, which is we have two separate gizmos here. We have the uh, Neotrellis M4. This one has an integrated uh, microcontroller, M4 microcontroller in the board. And then this one is uh, currently I've got a Feather M4 in there. You can't see it too well because I've got it kind of dark so we can look at the LEDs. Um, let me just tweak that exposure just a little bit. 
Not too much though, there we go. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep that pretty dark, sorry. So, um, let me give you a demo of this and I may need to, let me see. I may need to set up an external speaker for you to hear this clearly. Um, let me see if I've got what I need right here. Stand by, I'm gonna make a bunch of racket here while I... Um, so what I'm gonna do, just to avoid audio uh, echoes and things, I'm gonna take a little amplifier here and I'm gonna plug it into, I have a Thunderbolt audio output. We should be able to play this without getting microphone echoey kinds of problems if we're, if we're lucky. Um, sorry, I forgot to set this up before, but let me plug that into power. And let me find a nice, neat place to put that. All right, so let me, let me uh, see if that audio worked. I might have to tweak that a bit. I'm going to tell this software. So here I am over in VCV Rack, and one of the things I can do in here is Tell it to play audio through my Thunderbolt interface. Okay, and now I'm gonna use um, the two Neo trellises here to play this. Let me turn up the gain on the output here too. Okay, so let me know over in the chat if you can hear a mix of me and this um, audio output enough to, to at least follow along, but hopefully you can still hear me talking. So I'll let that play for a second here. Uh, get this set up. So sounds good. Okay, thank you, Andy Kelly. Um, and I'm just checking the YouTube chat here. Everything good? Yeah. Okay. So what's going on right now? You're hearing mostly this bass uh, or kick drum. You can see the pattern that I'm playing there. Let me. Uh, Okay, so here's a pattern that's gonna be easy to tell. I'm gonna mute some other tracks though, so we can, um, actually I'll just solo that track. Okay, so now what I can do, if you, if you take a look at this, I'm gonna zoom up on this, uh, this one module here. This is this multi-seek. Uh, it's a trigger sequencer, 64 steps and it has multiple channels and multiple patterns in it. So right now we're looking at a particular pattern. If I 
go and pick a different pattern to both play and edit, you'll see it's a sync between both the gizmo, the new trellis, and the module. So I'm going to go back to this third pattern, and now I'm both editing and viewing that. So now I can go in and let's uh, lay in some extra steps. Uh, by the way, I think there's a little lag just AV-wise between what you're seeing on my um, VCV rack virtual software versus what I see, and, and they're both synced up perfectly uh, in the real world between the Neotrellis and the, uh, the module in VCV rack. So you'll notice as I add or remove steps on the Neotrellis, they get added over on the VCV rack module. Right? But I can also go over to VCV rack uh, if for whatever reason I want to make some changes there. And you'll see the changes are updated in real time right on the module, on the, or rather the actual Neo Trellis, which is fantastic. So um, the cool thing is that the software for this in Arduino is essentially just looking for incoming MIDI messages on a particular channel that it uses to turn on and off NeoPixels. So while usually we think of MIDI going from a controller out to a piece of hardware or software and then that MIDI note gets played. In this case, we have MIDI notes coming also in the other direction that say which thing to light up and which color. So those MIDI messages are used, being used not to make sounds at all, but instead to uh, just be control uh, values for NeoPixel colors. Um, so you can see here, if we switch among the different patterns, we can go to a blank pattern right here, uh, and now we can. And by the way, the uh, developer Patchwork Boy did a great job on this. Uh, said that there are, there is some uh, bug between two of the modules in VCV rack that are causing us to often need to double tap uh, the steps to get them to to edit. I think that might only be during live play. Um, that does not happen in this mixer mode. So. Let's go back to a different pattern. And there's a little special key combo we can use, which puts the device into a wholly different mode. And this is the mixer mode, uh, mixer and, and some controls. If I scroll up here, this might look familiar, even if you're not super into audio. But this might look familiar. It looks like uh, a mixing board that you see in a recording studio where you use these sliders or faders to adjust the levels on a guitar versus drums versus bass versus some vocals. Uh, so that's what this is, a virtual software representation of that. And at the bottom of each of these um, channels, these audio channels, you can see there is a mute button and there's a solo button. So right now the reason we're only hearing that kick drum is because I'm soloing it. If I take that solo off, now you'll start to hear four different things. We have a kick, we have a snare, we have a little hi-hat, and we also have a little bass line thing. Uh, I can mute. Now the kick is gone. And so again, we have, uh, I think these are bi-directional also. So if I go and uh, adjust them in software with my mouse, yeah, it works. Uh, I'm clicking on things. It turns green up in the software. It also turns green over here in the uh, actual device. Um, 
so you can imagine we get, I think it's 16 channels of uh, audio. So this is a, a row of eight mutes and solos, another row of eight mutes and solos here. Um, I forget what these do here. Down at the bottom, we've got the pause or play. We have reset, this jumps the sequence back to the first step. And what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna actually go to a um, more crowded sequence here so you can hear some of these effects. These bottom triggers here actually send out a trigger to cause an effect to happen as if you swept a filter knob or did a stutter edit so that the mute button goes really, you know, 18th note, six, or 16th notes, 8th notes. Um, so check this out. I'll, I'll go to a crowded pattern. And let me go. Over here, what you're gonna see is a series of effects. So when I hit this first effect, you can see that that's sending this filter frequency shift for a cutoff. Uh, second one, same sort of thing, uh, different, different uh, direction it's coming from. Here's a cool stutter edit. So it's sort of muting in time. Oh, and these ones I just added these, these require the bass to be heard. What I'm gonna do is switch to, um, you can hear I'm soloing that bass line. And now if I hit one of these, just tweaking around with some of the parameters of that bass line. Uh, let's see, this one, it's just jumping some octaves in a quantizer. <laughs> it's just noodling around with some pitch. I think it was a FM frequency. Oh, that's that. Let me put stop again and then head back over to our patterns uh, here to go pattern editing. Um, so you can see I was just playing around with the um, baseline, that's this, that's this green line here. So if we go back and play, all right, so this is the baseline. You can, you can see that happening. Uh, and if you look over in the step editor, you can see it also is in sync color wise. Uh, so yellow is the uh, hi-hats, amber is the snare, red is the uh, kick, and then green is that baseline. So there's nothing in that pattern. So we can go make a, a, a brand new one. Or we can do it in software over here. All right, so let's go ahead and pause that. Um, and let's see if we got any questions. First of all, uh, oh, sorry. Someone said that this little string, it's a rubber band. Sorry, it's a very dead rubber band. This was swaying because of the air conditioning. I'll get rid of that. That would bother me too. I am with you. Uh, Tioataki. I don't know what your name is there, but yeah, that was bugging me too. Um, thanks for pointing it out. So let's take a look now at how this works. So I'll, I'll maybe dig a little bit into 
Um, this, you know what? No, let me let me change change uh, the scene here. So I'm going to open up a simplified um, patch that I just put somewhere. There it is. And let's see, let's see if this works. So I'm actually gonna. I think there's an initialization that Patrick Boyd did in his patch that I didn't in mine. So I'm gonna just power cycle my one trellis, neo trellis there. Um, and I'm not using the second one in this example. So first of all, let me see if I can get it working. Um, Are you connected? It looks like not. Oh, there we go. Okay, so let me connect up in software, and then I'm going to reconnect in hardware. I'd also use the reset button, but it's a little recessed, so you need like a pen or something to click it. Okay. Huh, you know what, it lost its, um, it looks like it lost its assignments. That's okay, I can show how those assignments work kind of from scratch then. Um, okay, so, so what's going on is, here's a simplified scene. If we just look at one of these, so I'm using a little module here, this little trigger sequencer modular, module. Um, and what I want to do is make a connection between my neotrellis and these 16 pads from MIDI. Uh, so what we can do is I'm going to use a little module here uh, that is for making assignments between various controls and MIDI notes. Uh, so if I... Oh, that's funny. It's, it's acting like it is, though. Why is it not? Um, you know what I'll do? Let me uh, make a new scene. Oh, look. Yeah, that, that reminded it of itself. Okay, so let's reopen that. Huh. All right, I may, I may have to build a thing from scratch then. Let's see. Yeah, this one's acting like my connections are there, but it doesn't like them. All right, let's see if we can do it from totally scratch. Uh, let me let's see, is this one? Yeah, I'm gonna make that from... Uh, so, VCV Rack has this sort of virtual module browser, so I can go, zoom out a bit, I can go through here and look for stuff, or I can also type in the names of things. I'm looking for this um, MIDI cat. And let's grab that trigger sequencer. So, trig seek. Okay, so in the most um, basic form, what I can do is say the device that I'm reading is this Feather M4, and the device that it will send to is the Feather M4, uh, which is what's driving this module or neo trellis. Uh, and then I can go and say, I want to map a step here. 
oh gosh, it's really not working, huh? Okay, let me, let me try a brand new scene then. Maybe something got corrupt in that patch. Uh, I'm just gonna shift off to the side, ignore those things. Oh, you know what though, let me, let me do one thing, which is if I tell it which audio interface I'm using, sometimes that seems to fix everything, so hold on. Just remembered that, it might not know. Okay, so let's tell it my audio interface is this. Hey, that fixes everything. I don't know why that is. <laughs> okay, um, so I can also do this from scratch if you wanna see it, but you may not. Uh, so here what we have is this MIDI cat and it has been trained that any of its buttons, so there's 64 buttons there roughly that I've mapped. I don't think I mapped everything. Uh, if I right click on one and say locate and indicate, it's gonna jump over and show me and blink. It says, okay, that button right there, that is linked to whichever uh, pad I just chose. So if I go, um, I don't think I have a neat way to clear these. So let me just clear these 16 up here. Uh, so if I go now and press my first button that was mapped over here, uh, it will turn on and off this um, button in the virtual module. And see here, it is lighting them all up. Now, right now, I don't have it sending any proper color info, but I do have it sending either on or off. So it's just remembering the color assignments that I gave this on, on startup. So on startup, there was a, uh, a rainbow pattern essentially given to it in code, uh, and now it's just reusing those. So mine is not as sophisticated as that patch that um, Patchwork Boy did, aptly named. Uh, and so what I did was I, I, for this simpler example, I just set up three of these little trigger sequencers. So you can see them all light up there or not, and it's bi-directional. So I can go in whoop, and clear those out. There's no just mass clear button, that'd be cool. Uh, so what this uh, last one here is doing is allowing me to trigger some stuff uh, in my systems, uh, or rather this patches clock, which is gonna allow a um, sequencer clock to start playing. It kind of tells everything how fast to go. Um, and I hooked that up, I think. Where did I hook that up? Here. Uh, so you can hear now I've got, let me simplify that one. I've got these three sequences playing. Uh, they are synced with each other. I don't, I don't have the um, blocks I would need in there to show where we are uh, with that little moving light. That would actually, the way I have this set up be a little bit tricky right now. Um, but what we can do is essentially start and stop that sequence because I'm, again, telling MIDI to go out, press a button, uh, and in the case of these, MIDI's also writing back out and saying, okay, turn on a light. Um, and, and the way you can tell that's not just something happening in code uh, on the trellis is that when I press these buttons in software, it's just that MIDI command that's heading back out this way to, to light things up. Um, so that is the, the sort of basics of that. Now let's take a look at the Arduino code uh, for this, which, yeah, we can leave, leave those little lights on there. Uh, which is running on the eight by eight. There's also separate code running on the little uh, 
half-size one, the 32-pixel uh, one. And I have not looked at this deeply enough to share a lot of insights, but I'll just uh, take you through a little bit of it where we're using essentially uh, USB MIDI and a bunch of uh, little tables or arrays of notes. So these are going from note MIDI 24 up to 87. Uh, so that's what's always being sent from this out. Um, and then you can see here we have uh, one of our Neo Trellis multi trellis uh, over I squared C setup. So I have those different, I can boost this exposure now. Uh, I have those different four uh, Neo Trellis boards there, each have a different address. And I, I accidentally built this one with uh, a non-standard, we actually kind of have a standard I squared C address uh, setup that we put in our guides that you should follow. And I'm gonna rebuild this and do a nice little guide on this that'll follow the standard convention. But uh, essentially I've got jumpers there that I have soldered together to change my I squared C addresses that allows us to use um, the multiple boards there. Uh, so here you can see it's setting up this multi-trellis as a four by four. Uh, and then there's some uh, typical MIDI setup, note on, note off messages, as well as a CC or control change message. Uh, and then some callbacks for <clears throat> what to do when something gets pressed. Some of the Neo Trellis setup here uh, is using Seesaw keypad uh, as the little library for the seesaw built onto each of those to aggregate all the button presses and all the NeoPixel commands. This stuff happens really fast because we're not sending all of that from the feather over to this many keys. We're actually just sending uh, messages over I squared C and then the onboard chip on those Neo trellises takes care of lighting things up and reading buttons, which is great. Um, some color setup here. Uh, and then in the main loop, there is a trellis show, which is just gonna say light up pixels based on sort of a buffer of what pixel colors should be lit up. And trellis read, which is the, hey, did you pull on your little chips any buttons and find out something changed? Tell us about that. Uh, and then there's a MIDI event packet receive. So that's what's getting any info about, okay, some uh, MIDI button got pushed over in the uh, software side, so let's send that that info back this way and interpret that into a color. Um, and then there's a bunch of different cases here used for different modes, the um, mixer mode versus that uh, sequencer mode. And that's about as, as deep as I've gone into it, but if you look in here, you'll see some of the details of how, uh, how the color selection is working, uh, different cases for those, lighting up rows, lighting up the uh, in time pixels, which again is mostly controlled by MIDI messages happening over on, uh, I think the clock, I think we, we get a message from the clock step uh, as a MIDI message that's coming, coming back this way. And uh, then we also got that nice little theater chase at the beginning, that's what happens when you plug it in, get that little checkerboard theater chase. Uh, so if you're wondering, I saw a question over in the chat, what this is running on, if you look at uh, that right there is a um, 8x8 Neo Trellis kit that has the Feather M4, all the elastomer, all the drivers. So that's a good one to get. It's got kind of everything you need there. 
however, if you want to do it based on some parts you already have or build it around a different microcontroller board, you can get this separate, excuse me, case here. So this is the uh, product ID 4372. And that's the, <clears throat> excuse me, laser cut acrylic case that you assemble. Uh, it's got paper you peel off, which is why a bunch of that looks yellow. And actually the top of mine, I didn't peel off. The, there's a little plastic coating on there too. And then you'd want to get uh, four of the driver boards, which look like that. Those are the driver boards. And four of these little elastomer keypads. So uh, that's essentially what's in the kit. I don't know if there's a price break on the kit, but if you wanted to do it with a different microcontroller, um, different feather board, uh, kind of could be anything that has I squared C really. Um, but this code here, is really ideally gonna run on the M4. Um, what I'm gonna do is try to see if I can get it running on the RP2040 Feather, um, which may be an issue because the MIDI USB that's being used right now doesn't compile for that, at least based on my, my preliminary tests. Uh, but since the RP2040s are so uh, available and will continue to be available, and see if we can uh, make, this, make this all work on that instead of the, the M4. Um, so again, if you're interested in uh, actually running this particular Right. Oh, this battery is almost dead too. So I'm going to say goodbye because I don't know if I have any other... There we go. That's a little bit better battery power. These are, these are nickel cadmium. I don't think this pack loves them as much as alkaline, so hopefully we're not getting any issues with it. But uh, thanks for the, for the warning over there. Uh, yes, yeah, so I will wrap it up, though, because I don't trust those batteries at all. Uh, if you're interested in this project, go check it out in the blog or in the chat in Discord. I dropped in a, uh, a link there. Um, 
just scroll up a bit. There it is. Um, so go check that out. Super amazing work by Patrick Boy. Thank you so much for sharing that. I saw that over on one of the synth forums I'm on and, and was so excited to, to see that he'd shared that. Uh, and let me know if there was anything you missed uh, when my mic died. Hopefully not. I need a battery status thing. I sure do. Uh, I should just point a camera at my mic uh, pack and put it in the corner of, of my monitor so I always see it. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Thanks, everyone, for stopping by. Uh, for Adafruit Industries, I'm John Park. This has been John Park's Workshop. And don't forget to tune in tonight for a very special time, a very special episode of Ask an Engineer. It's usually on Wednesdays, but this week it is on Thursday. It'll be 8 o'clock Eastern time. All of your favorite Lady Ada and Mr. Lady Ada news updates, new products, chip shortages, new, new, new songs, shenanigans, uh, time travel, and more, I'm sure. Uh, thank you, everyone, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.